In June, the Supreme Court announced its decisions in Sandoz v. Amgen and Amgen v. Sandoz, cases that examined how makers of biosimilars and branded biologic drugs bring products to market. At issue was the so-called patent dance, a complex series of disclosures between biosimilar makers and the manufacturers of branded versions. In its decision, the court left it up to the states to decide whether to enforce the patent dance and how. Finnegan partner Bill Lewis joins us now to discuss the implications of this decision. Now, Bill, how much interpretation has the Supreme Court left open with its decision? It's left open a fair amount. What's important to know first is what, what did the court actually decide? And there were two basic questions. Does the Biologics Act, and I'll use that uh, as a shorthand for a very long name of the statute, does the Biologic Act require disclosure by the biosimilar of its application and its manufacturing details? And when can it give 180-day notice of commercial marketing? Those were the two questions actually before the court. On disclosure, the Federal Circuit had previously decided that disclosure wasn't mandatory, that even though the statute uses the term they shall disclose, that doesn't mean must, and that no injunction was available. The branded company could only follow DJ action if the biosimilar didn't provide the information. Supreme Court, Sandoz v. Amgen Supreme Court, they agreed that an injunction isn't available. They agreed that the only remedy under the statute is a DJ action. However, they said, you know, we don't need to decide if shall equals must because there's no injunction available under federal law, so we don't have to decide that. But what they did do is then left open the question of what happened to the state law on fair competition count. Federal Circuit decided that there was no remedy because the way it interpreted the statute. But given that the Supreme Court didn't feel the need to address whether shall equals must, it remanded to the Federal Circuit as to whether under the state law, which Amgen had sued under also, was the non-disclosure of the application uh, unlawful. And if it was unlawful, was there any remedy available or does the federal statute preempt all other remedies, the preemption issue? And that hasn't been decided. And also, what hasn't been decided and remanded back to the federal circuit, did Sandoz waive that defense below? Another issue left open was the patent dance itself. Is that mandatory? Well, that wasn't an issue before the court, but even assuming that an injunction isn't available under the Biologics Act to enforce the patent dance uh, along the lines of the Supreme Court ruling injunction wasn't available to enforce disclosure, what about account under state unfair competition? Is that available to force disclosure? That, of course, is going to also turn on this whole preemption issue, which hasn't been decided yet. Now, the second question is this issue of timing of notice. The statute says the notice shall be given 180 days before commercial marketing. Federal Circuit said, well, you have to wait till the FDA approves the application. Supreme Court reversed that, said no, biosimilar could give notice anytime, either before or after the FDA approves the application. Now, is the 180-day notice mandatory? Well, that issue wasn't before the Supreme Court, but in dicta, they indicated that the applicant must give notice 
180 days before commercial marketing. Well, how do you compel that? Is an injunction available under the Biologics Act? That wasn't addressed. Is an injunction available under state law? That wasn't addressed. So as you can see, although the court did decide two important questions, a fair amount is still left undecided. What pre-litigation strategy should branded biologics companies be thinking about in light of this decision? The strategy that the branding company will take, to a large extent, will turn on what they're faced with. What is the biosimilar going to do? Because the biosimilar starts this whole dance, so to speak. And in light of the Sandoz v. Amgen decision, there's probably at least three scenarios that the brand's going to face. First, the biosimilar goes ahead and provides its application, provides its manufacturing information. Well, in that scenario, the biologic branded company is going to want to complete the patent dance. If it doesn't, it has problems because failure to list patents runs the risk of losing rights. Failure to not timely file suit runs the risks of losing rights. Now, under this scenario, the biosimilar is going to control the two phases of litigation, but that's their prerogative. Now, if the biosimilar provides the application and the manufacturing information, but doesn't go ahead and complete the patent dance, then the brand is faced with filing a DJ action on all the listed patents that they think it's infringed. And then they'll have to face a strategy decision as to whether or not they want to try to force completion of the patent dance under a state law or unfair competition count, which of course is also going to turn on what the federal circuit says on this preemption issue. Second option they may face is that the biosimilar provides the application, but nothing else. doesn't provide any manufacturing information. And the Supreme Court Sandoz case already said you can't force them to disclose their application, and presumably you can't force them to disclose the manufacturing information, at least under the Biologics Act. Now, whether you can get an injunction under state law is an open question, and that is on remand to the federal circuit. So the key question the sponsor is going to have to face or the branded company is going to have to face in this situation, if it only has the application and it doesn't have the manufacturing information, how will it know what patents to list? Will it know whether to list the manufacturing patents? The statute says list all patents for which a claim for infringement reasonably can be asserted. Well, what if they don't have sufficient information? Now, Apart from whether or not one can get an injunction under state law to force disclosure, the Federal Circuit decided another case, Amgen v. Hospira, which is precisely this scenario. In, in the Amgen-Hospira case, Hospira provided the application, didn't provide the manufacturing information. Branded company sued them on certain patents, didn't sue on others because it concluded it didn't have sufficient information. And then it's tried to get discovery in the district court, this is in Delaware, on other information to determine the manufacturing information to determine whether there are other patents it could sue on. Hospira refused to provide it. The district court refused to compel it, basically said, we're not going to permit a fishing expedition because what you're asking for doesn't relate to the patents that you did sue on. Amgen took interlocutory appeal to the Federal Circuit, which was decided August 10, 
Federal Circuit says we're not going to grant jurisdiction because this isn't a final decision and it declined jurisdiction. But what it did say was rather illuminating in denying jurisdiction. Basically, it said Amgen has misunderstood the statute. The statute says the branded company sues or lists patents that it believes would reasonably be asserted. But it said, Federal Circuit said that there's no sanctions for holding a mistaken belief. The Federal Circuit also said the reasonableness requirement of the statute doesn't stop a branded company from listing patents where the biosimilar has held back information. And if the branded company lists the patent and the biosimilar doesn't provide information under the patent dance as to why it doesn't infringe or why the patent's not invalid, then the branded company can go ahead and has a reasonable basis for filing suit. So the bottom line of the Amgen Hospira case is, look, if you don't get enough information from the biosimilar, go ahead and sue on those manufacturing patents, because if you don't, you're not going to be able to get discovery. And that's very illuminating, separate and apart from the Supreme Court decision. And presumably in that scenario, you would also include a state law count to compel disclosure, whether that relief available is still open. The last scenario that the brand may face is the scenario in Sandoz, where the biosimilar doesn't provide its application, doesn't provide manufacturing information, doesn't provide anything. Well, the Supreme Court noted in dicta in that scenario that presumably the branded company would file suit on all patents that it could list and subject to what the Federal Circuit does on remand, the brand would also presumably include an unfair competition count to compel disclosure, although in light of that Amgen v. Hospira case I just discussed, that's going to be less important since the Federal Circuit basically says if they don't provide information, sue them on the patents and get discovery on it. As to whether the branded company can compel the patent dance disclosures, which is all of the information including the defenses on the various patents is an open question. Whether the brand would want to compel that disclosure is a strategy question. Also, I think on this scenario, since the biosimilar would have provided nothing, the question then becomes, well, is it going to give 180 days notice of commercial marketing? And to avoid a scenario where they may try to have a surprise launch, one possibility in this situation would be for the branded company to include a preliminary injunction to require compliance, whether that is available under the Biologics Act is an open question, whether it could be available under state unfair competition law to compel disclosure is also another question. And what should biosimilar manufacturers be considering? Sandoz certainly gave them a lot of options. Do they have to disclose their application? Well, that's optional now under Sandoz, at least under the federal statute. Do they have to provide manufacturing information? That's optional. With respect to disclosures, whether they make disclosures or not, and what disclosures they should make to a large extent is going to be turned on what strategy they have, what are their objectives, what were their pre-suit investigations turning up. Also, they have broad discretion on the timing 
of their notice of commercial marketing, since the Supreme Court said that could be given either before or after FDA approval. So I think in this scenario, what the biosimilar is going to want to determine is what is their goal? What's their end game? If their objective is to expedite litigation, again, on these scenarios, I'm assuming that the 12-year exclusivity period has expired since that's currently the case on the most successful branded biologics. So let's make that assumption. So let's assume their main objective is to expedite litigation. Well, their first option now is to avoid the patent task completely. Since Supreme Court in Sandoz basically permits that, at least under federal law, whether there's any state law remedy, again, for the branded company is an open question. And by avoiding the patent dance completely, they avoid eight months of exchanges. And that is one way to expedite the litigation. And under that scenario, the biosimilar would basically tell the branded company they're not going to provide anything and wait to be sued. Presumably, they would be sued on all possible patents that could be listed. Uh, now, the downside for the biosimilar is that they're going to be sued on all patents at the same time. But presumably, that's a decision that they would be willing to accept if they go down that road. Another option they have, if they want to expedite litigation, is at least to provide the application and manufacturing information. Once they do that, they'll get a list of the patents that the branding company believes could be asserted. They'll get that within 60 days. And at that point, they could tell the branded company, look, we're not going to engage in the patent dance, and we're not going to go through this exchange. At that point, presumably, they would get a DJ action on all the listed patents. Now, the advantage of this scenario is that the number of patents may have been reduced since the branded company may conclude that certain patents aren't infringed. Another advantage is that they'll know all the patents that will be in play since the list will have been provided to them. The last scenario is where their objective is to minimize risk at launch and to control the sequence of the litigation. Now, under that scenario, presumably they will have concluded that the RP sponsor or the branded company has multiple patents different strengths, different relevance to the product, and or that they may have filed IPRs on certain patents. So under this scenario, they would want to complete the patent dance. That permits the biosimilar to control the litigation and would also permit them to stage the litigation because they will control the number of patents that are involved in the first phase. And if they want to limit the number of patents in the first phase to key patents, that may expedite the litigation since there will be less patents. As to the remaining patents, now they have the option of deciding when to give notice of commercial marketing. And so they could stage when to give that notice. They can give it later in time so as not to delay the first stage of the litigation. So they have various options available to them in that scenario. And again, whether that scenario makes sense turns on their pre-suit investigation. So as we can see, the Sandoz case has given a fair number of options on how they should proceed. Has there been any recent activity at the Federal Circuit on remand? Actually, there has been, there hasn't been any decision, but in July, the Federal Circuit ordered the parties to 
brief three issues, the preemption issue that I mentioned, whether Sandoz waived that preemption defense, and whether non-disclosure of their application, Sandoz, that is, non-disclosure of their application, whether that was unlawful under the California Unfair Competition Law. The parties filed briefs. They couldn't even agree on what the Supreme Court decided. Amgen basically said that the Supreme Court ruled that Sandoz actually violated the Biologics Act by not disclosing its ABLA. Sandoz argued, no, they didn't decide that. The Supreme Court decided that there wasn't a violation or non-violation because the federal law merely specifies consequences. Obviously, there's no agreement on what the court said, at least between Amgen and Sandoz. The Department of Justice, after the briefs by Sandoz and Amgen, filed an amicus brief on September 11. The DOJ went straight to the merits of the federal preemption issue. The DOJ's position is simple. The BPCIA preempts any additional remedy that may be available under state law for a biosimilar's failure to comply with any of the provisions of 262L, which obviously would also include the entire patent dance procedure and certainly would include the failure to provide the ABLA and any manufacturing information. Clearly, the most important issue is preemption. The federal circuit could decide that Sandoz waived the issue at the district court level. The federal circuit could say, we're not going to decide it. We're going to let the district court decide both waiver and preemption. Or it could find no waiver and actually decide the preemption issue. If they find no preemption, that's going to be a pretty important decision because it then will increase in importance where the brand files suit, what district court or what venue the suit is brought in, what state law remedies are available in the various jurisdictions. So the choice of forum may be more important if the federal circuit actually decides there's no preemption. It'll be interesting to see what the federal circuit does on this. Unlikely that we'll see anything from them until late fall or perhaps winter. Unclear whether they're going to require oral argument or not. I don't think that's been decided yet. Our guest has been Bill Lewis, partner at Finnegan, one of the largest IP law firms in the world. For more commentary on intellectual property news and issues, to listen to other podcasts, and to receive additional information on the firm, please visit www.finnegan.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Finnegan.